Alright, so welcome back to Mark as Played. I am Michael Denniston of Sober Cinema, and joining me uh, once again is uh, Hiro of the True Bromance Film Podcast. And uh, we're going to be discussing shit you've seen before, basically at the movies, uh, in particular genre films. And uh, I guess with this episode of horror genre films, uh, for A Quiet Place and how films like this try to set themselves apart from uh, very similar kind of scenarios with a particular hook. So I think with this film, you know, you and I were texting uh, earlier today um, about the trailers, you know, and you kind of had a question to me as far as like, you know, is it going to be able to stand out? And right. of course my cynical answer was, uh, yeah, the, you know, when I saw the teaser, I was like, Oh, that looks really cool. And then the more I see longer trailers, uh, less cool. I'm still going to see it, but uh, I'm not quite as enthused as I was with the very sparse sort of teaser and premise of uh, being quiet or you will die in whatever this world is in John Krasinski's latest film. I think that for me, I'm still kind of hanging my hat that it's going to be maybe a, a touch headier. Um, is it and the people involved? Like it's him? the people involved. Okay. Yeah. And Emily Blunt. I mean, he got his wife in the mix and I think, I, and this is the respect that I, I have for Emily Blunt is that I think that she is of the caliber actress that she wouldn't be in a hack slash movie, right? That's just not even for her mm, husband as a favor. He's got in good shape, but he ain't in that good a shape, you know, where she's just tossing that career aside for fucking, uh, you know, Pandora's box 76 or whatever clearly it is. I had not uh, talked to my wife because, uh, she she still remains a huge fan of that uh, Michael Bay joint just for that one shot. That's a good movie, buddy. That's a good movie. Uh, she's even considered a movie. It's just a GIF for her now, uh, a well used like GIF. Being under the skin. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know she's I'm, she's she's pulling a little Sally Hawkins from Shape of Water every morning with her egg timer and that GIF of Mr. Krasinski. Uh, so thank should. you, thank you. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna discuss two other. Uh, films that have attempted to do that uh, set themselves apart, and uh, I think you know we're we're like most of film Twitter, we're pretty excited about a quiet place. I've I've seen some favorable reviews coming out of uh, South by Southwest, so um, we'll we'll see. Uh, Hiro is Hiro gives no respect to South by Southwest. Uh, listeners can't see, but he's just shaking his head. That is no. That, I mean, uh, I, some of the people in Austin have questionable tastes. You know, they'll just do kind of crazy things and you know the drugs and alcohol and the party and all that stuff of of festivals well i mean from your your favorite film you. of all time you know scene and chef i believe they're in austin when uh, the father just crushes his son crushes his dreams as they're called parenthood michael it's called parenthood <laughs> that's what Apparently it's about that's what what happens in in austin so uh I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, introduce my my first podcast here uh, because mine's about a recent film that uh, I don't think you've uh, seen because when we were discussing this this episode uh, and I was talking about Steven Soderbergh's latest Unsane, uh, you said you weren't even made aware of it until it started popping up in your podcast feed. That's correct, sir. I had no idea what this was. I didn't even know Soderbergh was. I, th- I felt he was still licking his wounds from Logan Lucky. Yeah, I was. I was uh, not a fan of Logan lucky. And, uh, it's interesting because Soderbergh, I read recently that he apparently entertained the notion of, um, having a different name, a pseudonym for his genre work, which 
seems a little offensive if you know you're one of the uh, Logan Lucky crew members that he possibly had such a bad experience that he wants that he does not want that to touch the uh, uh, best director Academy Award winner from Traffic the Aaron Brockovich days or Sex Lies and Videotape he wants to separate his genre films from his real work but uh, that doesn't maybe that was bullshit because that doesn't seem like the uh, Stevie Soderbergh that I know the guy that I don't know around. man he's he's kind of become kind of a flicky guy I'm retiring no I'm doing this no now I'm gonna be only on the iPhone 7s plus or whatever the All fuck right. he's doing okay so you're introducing whatever. my clip for me with uh with Unsane because I knew nothing about this movie had not seen a trailer uh, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt just because it was Soderbergh just because he he's he's earned that much for me that I'll just watch whatever he likes even Logan Lucky which I didn't like I'll I'll come back because I'll be like okay this guy you know he likes to experiment and he's not afraid to tackle sort of any type of movie uh, so this one I just assumed based on the title it was a horror or a thriller um, but the podcast I was li- listening to uh, focuses on uh, horror movies that uh, uh, the subtitle is a horror movie podcast is the new flesh I don't know if you've ever listened to them but okay. if you if you're a horror movie guy, uh, they produce some pretty good stuff. And uh, the way they set up Unsane uh, is primarily talking about the way it was shot. I think it needs to get blown up for two reasons. I'll tease it now. I will say that how the um, how the movie was uh, framed and shot was like really well done for the subject matter. Yes. That's one thing. I, I, I thought constantly, like, man, like the framing of the shot, uh, the other scene is like sequence is perfect for this type of movie. And you could only only could have really done it on uh, on an iPhone. Soderbergh definitely used the phone's aspect ratio and limitations to advantage. I'm not surprised that he shot a claustrophobic story that takes place mostly in a mental hospital with very few characters on it was this a phone. Genius pairing of like yeah. using the technology to yeah. to the subject. Tangerine is a great movie, but that's one that like. Like yeah, you like, could that could have been shot on on a red, and you wouldn't notice the difference. I so, think both so of great the, that he did that, but it's also like you, it doesn't lend itself to an iPhone. I think like maybe you're going to say yes anyway, uh. but if you didn't know it was iPhones in this movie, would you have said? Would you have thought that it if was? If I didn't think it was iPhone, I really definitely thought it would have been done on very cheap, like digital. a cheap camera. I can just tell by uh, the the um, like the depth of field of shots. And the very lack of like color separation and very it looked incredibly cheap. Like like don't put Soderbergh's name on this. And if I saw this like at a film festival, I'd be like, there's no way th- and like replace you know uh, Jay Farrell with all uh, with an unknown actor. Yeah, I would look at this movie and be like, I bet this movie costs ten thousand dollars at the most. And yeah. talking about the the use of the iPhone, how it compares to Tangerine uh, that came out, the the Sean Baker uh, joint. I think I've got his name okay. right. He likes Florida. It is him, right? Yep. I think that's I think yep. what he does. Florida Project. <laughs> oh yeah, two of last year. Yeah, uh, that movie. Um, How dare you disrespect that great film? <laughs> I just I hate kids so much, and that one. You talk about a horror movie for me. Uh, those those children, Jesus Christ! I, it, it, the first thirty minutes of that is hard because you think it's going to be like, oh my god, it's nonstop kids. But then the uh, little, little tattooed mom shows up and tattooed know. mom and Willem Dafoe. When they actually get the adults in there, it's not yeah. half bad. It takes um, off. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of that un- unsane Juno Temple playing very much a uh, character like the uh, the mother from the Florida Project. Uh, Ooh, what, um, if, what will she do for Disney bands? Uh, you should check out Unsane. <laughs> oh, she. I tell you what, her weapon of choice when she's angry, uh, very similar. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, Willem Dafoe would be cleaning uh, that window twice over uh, oh, with boy. the temple. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. by the way, one of the best scenes of last year. Well, I'm, I'm you know, Unsane may be uh, going into your top ten then. If if you want to see a uh, a thriller version of the Florida Project, um, the, you know, basically like uh, having the uh, the pedophile guy sort of lurking okay. on the uh, perimeter at pretty much the entirety of the film. Unsane's the one for you. So. Um, anyway, they're wearing white socks that are kind of up to the shin length. It's a dead giveaway. It just like it was in Florida project. You were, you were definitely down to pound. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You showed up, ready. <laughs> you showed up with a fucking bag of Skittles and, uh, and, a, and a okay, trench coat. Now I feel like we're doing a disservice to unsane, uh, because we're, we're conjuring imagery that is probably more horrific than what's actually in Soderbergh's yeah, latest We're doing joint. a disservice <laughs> yeah. to anybody listening to this is what we're doing. Well, that's, you know, that's Marcus played as usual. Uh, but at anyway, on, uh, yeah, at sober cinema, uh, my other show, uh, new flesh, they, they, they set up the film by focusing on, the use of the iPhone, the way it looks, you know, the the mastery that Soderbergh has over the form, uh, and I don't, I don't think they're wrong. The the only thing that I think was wrong about this and um, Soderbergh's sort of self marketing, because you saw that a lot with Logan Lucky. Like yeah, most of yeah. the talk was just about how it was being distributed, and yeah, this, he wanted to break the business mold that's been in place for X amount of years. Well, you know, call me old fashioned, but. Uh, you know, maybe don't rely on freaks like me. They're like, just see Soderbergh's name and just buy a ticket. Uh, maybe you should sell them on what the hell is Logan Lucky? What's it about? Does it look good? And the same with Unsane. And so... Shouldn't you just sell them on Tanning Chatham? I mean, that guy's kind of a stud. Uh, I think they would have had to somehow tie it to Magic Mike. Like he was playing like Magic Mike on the road. Like after a stripping day, it's like you know, on his Harley or something. I, I don't know if Channing Tatum himself, you know, he didn't do that much for Haywire, you know, his appearance in that. Mm, and that had a great point. cast in that one. Um, Is that another Soderbergh joint? Yep. Um, you know, this this idea, that this is definitely something that's going to appeal to uh, cinephiles, film Twitter, as far as that sort of experimental nature, you know, whether it be a distribution deal or shot on an iPhone. Um, but, you know, is this something that you think – I mean, does it hold any merit at all with the general public as far as how something was conceived, released, produced? Uh, and do you think that that's been done successfully in the genre film before? That they've used that approach as far as just how something was made? Um, I don't know. It, it, when it comes to genre films, I don't know. Um, I well, like, obviously had like, found footage. That was, I mean, that became okay, a subgenre. Which project obviously yeah. comes to mind? Okay, now that you mentioned that, that that's a good one. You kind of uh, got me on my heels a little bit, but um, yeah, the Blair Witch Project obviously is the 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 gold standard when it comes to that sort of uh, um, technique or business model or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that, that making a lot of money uh, after producing something yeah. really cheap. Yeah, um, I think the difference though is like. I don't remember at the time, like that certainly was part of it, but you know, they went a step further and tied it into, you know, they, they, they did a little bit of hucksterism, uh, and, you know, sort of played coy about whether, you know, it was real or not. Uh, and you that's kind of one of those weird eras where people were like buying what was on the internet. Like people <laughs> believed everything they saw on the internet, which we're not that far away from. I was about I mean, to say, we well, have... presidential election kind of <laughs> settled down. 
settled on. Kind of back into that world uh, as well. It's just I'm not trying to get fun. my right wing coworkers to pay attention to this show, man. Come on now, you're ostracizing them. No, but you know, it was a different era. Where you didn't understand the internet, right? They were on the very, like the 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 the, the forefront of mm-hmm. of using uh, mass media, social media marketing, that sort of thing. So it was innovative at the time. I don't know if that would play. I guess maybe the um, paranormal activity movies have something similar. Here's something I had a thought with, with Unsane, because I actually really did enjoy the movie. Um, but there were also, I don't know, like 17 different moments where I thought it was complete garbage and shit, too. Like, it is <laughs> it is such an up-and-down experience that uh, I also wonder if that, if you can apply that to just a general moviegoer, if they're, if they're willing to sort of, you know, I feel like in my experience, if I'm watching it with, you know, casual film fans, uh, as soon as they start to dislike something, they just sort of check out. Whereas I may be giving Soderbergh a little more rope because I'm thinking like, well, that's questionable, but all right, I'll roll with it and see how far this goes. I'm okay. I kind of get what he's doing, why he's doing that now. But the, very idea of shooting on an iPhone as much as I'm a huge fan of owning as many Apple products as possible, uh, is not necessarily a selling point to me. Cause basically what you're telling me is like, Hey, this is going to look like shit. But I mean, but that's not the case. Cause Tangerine, the story sucked ass, but this actually looked- is the case with insane. Like, <laughs> Oh, it looked like shit. Well, no, I won't say it looked like shit. That's, I mean, it does. The Tangerine looked great. Tangerine looked great. Tangerine, um, and that's but actually, I know that he had an additional. Yeah, so he had like a like a thing attached to the phone. It uh, and it's it's brought up. I actually like that in uh, you know because I'm such a fan, a huge fan of uh, Baker's work. That on this uh, new flesh podcast, they kind of bring up that he uses it probably more appropriately as a marketing tool because no one watching that movie, if they didn't know that would be like, Oh, this is obviously shot on an iPhone. This is the iPhone movie. Like instead it was like, look what I can do with an iPhone after you add X, Y, and Z to my gear and substantial yeah. costs. Uh, Soderbergh's going the other way here where he's like, no, this is actually going to look like it was shot on a phone and it does have some point to it as far as the story they're trying to tell. So it does add a dimension to it, but that, that goes back to what I was saying where for the longest time I'm like, why the fuck did he do this? Is this just Soderbergh just bored? You know, like he just, and that's what it feels like about him though. Like from what we know of him, you know, he started with kind of these, um, he sexualized a videotape. He's like an independent sort of art house films went into traffic, but then he goes into like the oceans 11 films. He's very fun, populous films. And then just goes into bonkers land with, um, <laughs> experimental stuff. And, I like most of what he's doing. I, I appreciate a dude who's willing to, you know, take challenge, uh, take on challenges, things like that. But I don't know, man. I, I, how much rope do you give Soderbergh? Is I guess the question because you're saying that you always give him the benefit of the doubt and you'll give him a little more time in the theater. Like you're not uh, jumping out of the seat, you know, thirty minutes into the film like you do for any movie that uh, that you're reviewing for Two Bromance Film Podcast. Well, because um, you all have uh, whatever the opposite is of rope as far as whatever you've selected, I'm assuming, well, this is going to be a really bad time for me. Uh, I have been wrong because you uh, – I'll give you credit. You forced me to see Hell or High Water, which I didn't have any interest yep. in. became one of my favorites of that year. I had to for weeks about that yeah, movie, man. Yep, like, yep. come on, buddy. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, okay. Let, I'll, I'll throw it back at you. Let's remove Soderbergh here. Uh, how many – 
really good, two great movies does a filmmaker have to have under their belt before they, they earn that uh, that blank check for like the rest of their, their uh, filmography that you're just like, okay, I've loved so much of their work before. I'm going to ride with them until the end just to see where they go. Like Del Toro, maybe like uh, you would say some, somebody like that. Like he's no, I would not. Uh, that would not be the example <laughs> I'd use. Uh, but if you'd like to check out that conversation uh, and you're not <laughs> yeah. a loyal listener on the previous oh. episode. Um, I, so I'm a streaky kind of cat. Um, if you start like putting them together, then I start to, to buy in. It, it's like what you said, Hell of High Water. Taylor Sheridan is in that category right now for me, right? So he's got Sicario, Hell of High Water, and uh, Wind, Wind River. River. Yeah. All just and, – and, and he wrote two, directed one. and So he wrote three, directed one. Um, but they all feel like him. I mean it's, yeah, it's like his trilogy. Have, yeah. Exactly. And now he's doing uh, Yellowstone, I believe it's called, the TV show. Uh, Sicario 2, he wrote – Normally, I would just take Sicario two and flush it on the toilet and never watch it again because it feels like such a, like such a cash grab, and it just feels like such a departure. Like that movie just doesn't need a sequel, right? It was perfect. Has a pretty Dumps. badass trailer moment though, it, where he's doing a little thing with a finger and then yep, jumping. Yep, and yep, 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 pretty good. Uh, but I thought that Sicario one ended up right in the right place. You know, Dumpski gets outed and sh- as being a Dumpski. How dare you? You start the show with Emily Blunt saying that you know she has such class and such a talent that she adds this you know adds something to it, and now she's Dumpsky. She's reverted, and that's back. why I have so much respect for her because she was able to <laughs> you know channel as a, as a great actress. She was able to channel that 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 blatant stupidity and put it out there on the screen and 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 do it so convincingly. I'm I'm all all on board, um, but with him, I'm all on board. Um, I'll watch whatever he does until he. I'm all about streaks, right? He's on an extreme hot streak. He dumps three or four stinkers in my lap, and then I'm out, right? But so um, have you jumped off the Soderbergh train, or is your love of Magic Mike? Uh, Magic Mike two though was vastly superior. So um, no, um, honestly, with Soderbergh, I haven't watched the last thing he did, right? The unsane thing I haven't watched. Logan Lucky was, eh, it was okay, I guess at best at its moments. Um, but I think he's got a decent cachet there. I, I like, I don't like his kind of bitching and moaning and whining constantly. I understand the system sucks, but he's still getting paid millions of dollars to make movies. Right. Okay. So I, let me, uh, let me hijack here for a minute. Cause that was a thought that I had going through both Logan Lucky and, uh, Unsane was mm-hmm. all right. So you're, 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 you know, trying to revolutionize the system here, but he's financially and artistically like he's doing both at the same time, trying to. I, I'm not a fan of uh, the Florida Project, but neither one of these movies is the Florida Project. As far as like, I could understand why the Florida Project would have <laughs> trouble from a major studio getting financed. If you're pitching that, I don't see what Warner Brothers would want. Why would they would want anything to do with the Florida Project? What's in it for them? Um, Logan Lucky and Unsane, I, un- unless Soderbergh is just opposed to uh, having any sort of interference at all as far as maybe casting choices, like he just has very, like he wants to work with Channing Tatum, you know, Daniel Craig, and uh, Kylo Ren, like exclusively. 
and we'll hear. Like, you don't even know the man's name. Like the, all you know is Kyle Little Red. What's wrong with you? He was in Girls. He was Lena Dunham's boyfriend. What else? Uh, Adam Driver. That's his name, right? He was in Patterson, the fucking worst movie ever I, made. I didn't see Patterson. Oh, uh, it's bad. Jim Jarmusch does not have the blank check for me. He's not. I did like uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. That was really. I didn't good. Didn't see that one either. I don't know. I just when I when I Stark think of there. him, I just think of slow. I just think that's going to be a slow movie. That's just slow, what I've, but it's okay. really really good. Um, but Unsane and Logan Lucky are, you know, being genre films. I feel like that automatically gives them a leg up as far as studio wanting to invest in it because both of these things you could easily pitch. It's like, hey, from the director of Ocean's Eleven, he's doing another heist movie. Okay, yeah, the, you know, you cast and the that's right what people. They sold us right, but you wonder why the hell did he have to use that particular script to come out of retirement and try to break the system again? Because it's it's not uh, even the Shape of Water, which we talked about in the last episode or something. Is didn't his wife write it? Mm, I don't There's know. Like maybe. A pseudonym for his old lady. Okay, maybe that maybe that just you know derails my whole argument there. But let's let's remove that sort of you know sex mystery at the heart of it here. Uh, and go to another one. The Shape you of Water do what you do, man. is a far more subversive movie as far as it is a woman fucking a fish man. And somehow Del Toro got that financed. I, th- I think that was what, like a 20 to $30 million film. So from what I understand though, like after I've read, I've read and heard some discussions that he is very efficient with the money. Del Toro gets a lot at, on the screen for, a little amount of money, from what I understand. But what is what has forced the the Academy Award winning uh, director of Traffic and the uh, Ocean's Eleven trilogy, which made a ton of money, uh, to be shooting his film, unless it's an artistic decision, uh, on an iPhone. His his horror slash thriller, Unsane. Uh, you know, I could easily see you know one of the studios saying like, yeah, we'll give you five to ten million dollars. And make this. We can market this in October. We can put this out in January, and we might, you know, we might make our money back on the opening weekend. So it's like I feel like he's really the only thing in it. I I liked Unsane. Don't get me wrong. I feel like the only thing that's sort of separating his work from the sort of thriller of the week is when he is just adding that one extra weird element. But I don't feel like he's going so far astray from like generally mainstream studio kind of programmers. It's just the fact that it's like, it's shot on an iPhone and it's cast with Claire Foy. I think's her name from the crown as opposed to, I don't know, Nicole Kidman in the lead or something. Right. I, I, I've always thought I felt him to be a tinkerer. Like he just, maybe he's just that guy that wants a challenge. Right. I mean, he just wants to up the, uh, the, the level of difficulty with it. But um, then you can't bitch about how difficult things are if you're if you're the one boxing yourself. And in. that's where he loses me, right? Because he's <laughs> just a fucking complainer, man. Just make the movie. Like, look, the, the, I, I, there's a thousand uh, men and women out here who would love to be in your position to come bitch and moan and complain about the studio system and all this crap, you know. Um, and it's just it's a constant complaint. But at the same time, yes, the Hollywood isn't exactly a nice place, right? I mean, you know, got. Is Harvey Weinstein still around? What's he doing? I mean, I mean he's getting slapped in an Arizona restaurant uh, a few times, and uh, that that seems like I guess as close to justice as film Twitter can provide. Some random man <laughs> slapping yeah. him in a restaurant. 
Oh God, man! I mean, one minute you're eating your freaking uh, your steak, and the next minute you're just getting bim smacked by some dude, <laughs> some random cat. I don't know how that works. That's fine. He'll he'll be fine if that's you know if that's the worst thing to happen to him. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, maybe he's just looking for a challenge. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I I just yeah, it's it's a uh, he's kind of the live by the sword, die by the sword type of guy, I guess. Which. You know, we we should admire. Uh, the best I can say about it is maybe I don't agree with him uh, totally from a philosophical point of view, or at least his philosophy. But uh, I did enjoy Unsane, so uh, he does have me back. You know, he's gone back. He's uh, he he went. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. Oh, for maybe three for me. Uh, I don't know. You're a little bit higher on the Magic Mike stuff, but I, I believe that was his last film before retirement. Um, I'm trying to remember what was before that. Before Magic Mike. The first one. Right. I think it was the Liberace movie, technically, the TV movie, right? Ooh. I didn't see that. I dug it. So maybe, you know, maybe he was just, uh, he was just 0 for 1 for me, and I'm the one that's bitching too much. It was basically just Logan Lucky. I just didn't like that being the, the way he re entered the arena. So Haywire was right there, uh, before Magic Mike. Side effects. I dug that too. About, yeah, dug that too. Um, I know there's Contagion. In there in 2011, yeah. The informant exclamation point. See what what does this guy want to take his name off genre uh, thrillers? That seems to be his bread and butter uh, over the last you know six seven years. Maybe he wanted to make porn. (laughs) The girlfriend experience. (laughs) That was not good. That was a that was an experiment that uh, I didn't understand. Like, let me cast a true porn star to not have sex. Uh, A film about sex. (laughs) Yeah, just. I mean, Big Balder Bland was very disappointed with the well. The way America it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but I feel like this is a, uh, you know, I, I'm going to drag you along here. But I, I believe you brought a film about sex to this discussion. Oh, yeah, that's correct. Um, I've been waiting for my opportunity. You were ranting and raving about Steven Soderbergh and his nonsense. I was waiting on a silver platter, like you know. The, and you did. Yeah. Speaking of uh, sex, and speaking of. Lack of sex and big balder bland. Um, <laughs> so, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, the Sober Cinema. You might have heard of it, yeah, or I a think time so. or two. Yeah, might have heard of it <laughs> at some point. But uh-huh. um, the uh, the true artist, the uh, the genius behind that podcast, uh, mm-hmm. had a, had a good opinion of, of of a film that I think that you you actually probably Mister It follows for a good bit of time. Yeah, you for probably, a month there. Yeah, on, yeah. On you run about circles. eight or nine podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Talking about it follows, and I and Big Walder Bland is on there talking about how Nasty Hellcat is over there talking about how it follows is this is a little bit more when it comes to the genre film a little bit more it, you know it's definitely in that horror genre. I watched it originally during um, a Halloween week where I was attempting to try to watch like one horror movie a day up to like Halloween, and I think I started out with this one and it really set the bar incredibly too high because the horror genre in general is like you either have home runs or you have to borrow another baseball term, a ground out second. Like it's, if you want intelligence or if you want any sort of nuance or any sort of anything that thematically like speaks to you on a different level, other than blood axe, chainsaw scream roll credits, like it's, it's one of those rare finds that it's a horror movie and it's smart and it's original, even though like 
the concept of this thing following you is an original. The way that it is presented to you is a uh, pretty original concept, and anything original in the horror genre is is a welcome sight, in my opinion. But it's it departs from that hack slash, and it's it's got something to say. And and what I took from it, from watching it follows, is um, the debate afterwards, the discussion afterwards. I mean, I watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, have a good time, have some beers, blah blah blah. It's great. But with it follows. I found myself embroiled in like tons of side conversations about what it meant. And every conversation had a really good theory or whatever it was, right? Some talked about the sex, uh, the STD part, sex about sex shaming and, and that sort of thing, um, uh, like womanhood, et cetera, et cetera. There was all this good stuff. And for a movie to be able to kind of blend both together, because it still was a scary as shit movie. Um, you, you it, it it opens up with that that girl kind of like all contorted or whatever mm-hmm. and and you know and, and and the way it finishes even is like damn man um you're just never gonna get away from this thing um was amazing to me but um i think that i mean I, there's a time and a place for everything um for me I'm to the point where I've consumed so many movies that I, I would prefer an It Follows over a Nightmare on Elm Street 75, right? I just the, I've, Sort of like the uh, the experience that lends itself uh, to, to something to, to further, sort of sitting with it as opposed to getting off the ride. Like you just buy your theme park ticket, you take the, the – yeah. you go into the haunted house, the roller coaster, you get the jump scares, you walk out – there's nothing there's no more to experience out in the real world whereas yeah something like it follows uh i remember coming right out of the theater with two of my buddies who hated it like you're coming out it's like why'd you bring Wait, this hold on out these people who were these cats uh you met one travis uh didn't like it uh but we stood there and sort of debated um and then there was a bunch of us there was like six seven eight of us that went to see like i basically dragged them I was like hey you guys see this film um it was it wasn't your first time I think that was like the third time that weekend I watched it. So What's wrong with you? I, I I was very passionate about it. I, I dug it. Um, but I'm one of the people. I said on the yeah. you know the episode you're referencing there that uh, Chris Maynard tried to get me to watch. He sent me a screener for it, and I was like, this sounds like stupid shit. I have no interest in this. Um, so maybe that's my maybe it's the turn that I, I fell for it so hard. This is like a recurring thing with you and it follows and Hell of High Water. You just have really poor taste up front. Poor initial like, taste, yeah. Initial yeah. taste, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'll have to look into that. But you know, that's it's actually really cool when it happens, though. I think because I, yeah. I, you know, I feel like we're so uh, we're almost like indoctrinate, indoctrinated with like what we should think about something, and I, even even this. That's kind of what we're talking about with this episode, as far as like um, movies have to attempt to set themselves apart. Like, yes, yes, we're a scary movie. Yes, we're a heist movie. But here's what extra we're offering and we're you know we're sort of bashing Soderbergh a little bit that he's he's maybe working a little bit too hard uh in trying to make his shit seem special when he's already such a talented man at just making something entertaining uh with with it follows I remember that conversation afterwards that um I don't know if I convinced Travis and uh the other guy to uh to say like oh I I actually enjoyed it because I can't change that experience they just had for 90 minutes, two hours, if they didn't enjoy it. Uh, but they did admit that they enjoyed the conversation after. And I think that's worth something. Like if, if you can stand there and like, right, sort of like exactly. kick it around, uh, we would not have done that for 
you know, the, the latest Halloween or Friday the 13th remake or reboot. We would just been like, do you like it? No, not really. All right, whatever. And that would have been it. That's the extent of the conversation. And that there's definite value in that. I mean, that's going back to maybe the, the last episode we did where we talk about, like, why we podcast, right? We're elevating sort of that that discussion, that conversation. We're attempting ele- to. <laughs> <laughs> when you listen to True Romance, you're definitely doing it. Um, yeah, at least I, I, yeah, you, you're 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 stepping up, uh, and you're um, you're bringing a little something more to the enjoyment of the film when you're you know discussing it. And there's something to chew on, but I mean, when, once you get off that roller coaster, and there's nothing else there, I mean, the roller coaster was fun, but um, I think yeah. it's the difference between um, Happy Death Day. Did you see that last fall? I did not. Nope. Um, I saw it like on uh, it's streaming now, and I just I keep skipping over it. I well, you, okay, you've seen like it. you've obviously seen uh, Groundhog Day, Memento. Yes, I've Those seen two. both. Yep, I would say you know uh, for for people who have seen Happy Death Day, I don't know. Like I, I actually kind of like I enjoyed my time with that movie, like to a certain extent. Um, but I did a podcast with Grendel on a pop culture case study for it, mm-hmm. and talking about it. Um, Again, or maybe that was for Marcus Plate. Actually, I think that was for this show. I, I, I'm missing an opportunity to pimp out one of our old episodes. <laughs> You've got 95 shows. You're starting to get a little confused. Well, I definitely shouldn't pimp out his show. That's dead now. So let's just say uh, Marcus Plate. I know we did. Is it dead? Is it dead official? Are we are we just are we putting the. I think he's like he's, he's like Soderbergh, right? It's not dead official because uh, he's going to come back with his great Logan Lucky episode, his return, whatever the yeah, version. He's going to record it on a, on a you know, he's going to have a like a, like a, he's going to have like a crazy recorder. for He's going to find a Microsoft Zoom and record it. He's going to you oh, know no. double down. Only um, publishing on MySpace from now here on out. I, I mean, I would at least bookmark it to see what sort of craziness he was up to and his. Uh, Does sort MySpace of, still exist? Uh, I think for bands. I don't know. Justin Timberlake owns it. I think. Um. Anyway, what we're talking about Happy Death Day. That's what I was talking about. Um, I can enjoy that, but then when I start to talk about it, uh, and I guess dissect it in a way, and maybe that's why some people really despise film Twitter, film podcasts, or you know, people are like you know, just stop, stop beating it to death. Um, if you enjoyed your time with Happy Death Day, don't pick it apart. But in picking but apart, some films, some films lend themselves to that, and some films don't. Like, and I think that. Maybe what you're saying is we sometimes get confused by them, like or we get those two things mixed up. Like it follows lends itself to that conversation. Happy Death Day is like, all right, man, I drank my beer, drank my Boone's Farm, and watched the movie, and I could go. Just like the 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 friends I had that didn't enjoy their time with it follows. It doesn't suddenly mean that like, oh, I was wrong. I actually did enjoy that. You can't change you know what you're feeling while you're experiencing it the first time around. There are films that I've come around to like. Uh, we have done on a previous episode of Marcus played Eyes Wide Shut, which I hated when I saw it as a teenager the first time. But for whatever reason, I just kept like coming back to it, and it's like really grown on me. I don't think Happy Death Day is going to do that, but something like you know Memento or Groundhog Day that has a similar premise as far as like sort of reliving an experience or redoing something. Uh, those are definitely ones that lend themselves, and you, I think you know coming out of it. Like I'm going to have a lot of conversations about that. Um, Happy Death Day. Is uh is the theme park ride experiment with that, and uh, I guess that's what you know. I hope with a quiet place, they're trying to do. I, I you know the only thing that I'm sort of don't waste Emily Blunt. That you know, hopefully I'm a little, you're not wasting. I'm a little leery that you know the more trailers I see, it has some of that like 
uh, peak jump scare, peak M Night Shyamalan type feel to it. Oh no, no. Okay, I well, I mean, you know, a lot of if you go back to when when he was actually popular the first time around, I know he's had a he sort of revitalized with with Split um, and the Visit. You know, he's had a couple wins under his belt financially. The Visit Uh, was all crap, but the Split was okay. Well, you know, the Visit was definitely crap. When you use actual crap as a weapon on a child, I uh, absurd. Um, that's like the highlight of your year that year probably watching that scene yeah putting that fecal matter on a child i actually had the opposite reaction i thought that kid should have gone fucking nuts i thought that kid should start beating that old man's ass right there because i <laughs> i don't it's care still an old man beat his ass <laughs> well i mean you know i don't care who you are if someone starts to put shit in your face you don't stand there stoically and allow them to i mean it just oh that ran all over me with that that, that kid um but uh, what were we talking about? We're not talking about shit. And uh, M Night Shyamalan, I guess we were talking about shit. The Village, yeah. you know, when that came out, uh, yeah. I think that's when people started to turn in earnest against him, or at least the mainstream did. Where it suddenly, like, he was not going to become the next Spielberg. He was someone whose uh, judgments and what he was selling you is something to be questioned. Now it became like a joke to be like, oh, another twist or another thriller from M. Night Shyamalan, another mystery. I'm sure it's going to be something stupid. Like, you know, I mean, he went from the guy that's like, I can't wait to see what he's cooked up to, uh, this guy has screwed me before, so now everything else is going to, I'm going to start making fun of it before I see it. I'm not saying, Krasinski has not uh, screwed me necessarily. I haven't seen The Hollers. I don't know if you've seen his previous film that he... I have not. Yeah. Um, but I I think that I was much more I was much more into it just that teaser trailer where like no one's speaking and just seeing how sort of unnerved they all are as they have this sort of uh domestic bliss of playing board games and like playing house and these later trailers where you start to see like shadows of like a monstrous creature like out in the woods or like in the bathroom. It's getting a little M Night Shaman for me. So I see I didn't feel the M Night Shaman. I felt the um conjuring sort of style like i felt the jump scares coming out and that's you and i having a very similar path with the movie like initially it was very i'm oh shit i'm interested there's emily blunt there's krasinski there's you know i know that's what you lead with every time (laughs) there's emily blunt (laughs) i mean i respect the lady man she's a great (laughs) actress i think she's good um but the the more trailers that i'm seeing i'm like oh man this is like conjuring this is the ring this is that sort of thing, and I'm hoping that's not it, right? I'm hoping we're we're getting more of the the, the smarter sort of film that the uh, nasty Hellcat uh, digs. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'll, I'm going to break it to you here. Uh, <laughs> I wanted him to like I wanted him to use this on Super Cinema, but we don't do new releases. But we were what we were watching. We were watching Annihilation. Actually, for he was preparing to guest on your show, uh, True Bromance, and we watched it uh, together. And uh, neither one of us enjoyed our time with it, but uh, the uh, Quiet Place trailer came up, and I elbowed him like, "Oh man, I'm really, I really want to see this. I'm really hyped to see this." And uh, we watch it, and uh, <laughs> his only response was, "That seems like a great setup to have the final scene just lead up to a fart joke." <laughs> 
So, I need to schedule him for a quiet, quiet place. Such is the such is his view of the world that Krasinski and Emily Blunt, your most you know, beloved Emily Blunt, would participate in what appears to be a horror film, but is actually just one big two hour or ninety minute gag Bart to set joke. up one of them farting and then being mauled to death by this monster because they couldn't hold it in. Preferably Emily Blunt in the bathtub. The nasty Hellcat has a big future ahead of him in, in, in film <laughs> scripts like i think he he just i would love to see that movie like just like a light and then talk about a movie that could be easily spoiled though because twitter would blow up with you know rage or appreciation uh at, at krasinski uh, making the world's most intense scariest long fart joke that's everything though that uh, film twitter is that place man for just abusing and just dissecting everything in, a, in the nastiest sort of way so um yeah and uh i think that's probably a good place to wrap up so are we right i mean this is some would say you can leave us an itunes review that we were probably one big fart joke as well i'd like to hear that review i'd like to see that i mean i've gotten a few for the other podcast the true romance that uh it sounds like a fart joke but uh yeah where can they yeah. find uh more of your your just gas that you're throwing out to the world and your, your film analysis. <laughs> film analysis at True Romance Film Podcast. If you Google that, you'll find it. You can uh, and, uh, yammer at us on at True Romance Cast. That's true about the E on Twitter. I guess I'm at Sober Cinema. I don't know if that's poor form since you've actually <laughs> – one of your podcasts you're recommending was Sober Cinema. However, he was not recommending me. He's recommending uh, The Nasty Hellcat, my The Nasty Hellcat. Uh, at Big Balder Bland. So, um, but if you want to, uh, <laughs> if you want to, you know, send us any tweets or uh, fart jokes, we got them. Uh, we are at uh, Marcus Played Pod on Twitter and at Marcus Played on Instagram. If uh, for some reason you have some fart joke uh, images, you want to send us. Yeah, or gaming chairs. They're or always pictures welcome. of shirtless John Krasinski. Yep, or Harvest Moon jokes. All welcome. Locked up in a cupboard, hidden from her lover. You're sweating neath the covers of some other woman's arms in the leaves. Flash like sparks in the headlight. Give her my shoulder, tell her it's alright. Keep her mind from wandering somewhere else. And end up doing nothing on a Saturday night and we dance. The Harvest Moon thing is such a, like, for this audience, would be such a deep pull. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? No one will get I don't care. I tell you what, I, uh, like I would be glad it. You know, my wife would. She, I mean, she just knows I'm seeing her editing because I always got headphones in because I don't make her listen to that nonsense. Uh, but if she knew I was spending my time trying to find the best Harvest Moon music to use from the game to just use as a gag on Sober Cinema, she'd be like, oh, you've got to stop doing this. This is a total waste of time. <laughs> and I'm just clicking through Harvest Moon song after Harvest Moon. See, I, today I was looking up Harvest Moon pictures so that mm-hmm. when I talk, that when like, Jared comes on, <laughs> I get thrown on Twitter. Or if he, I'm responding to him, like, I'm looking for Harvest Moon GIFs. 